Connections, Episode 3, Headlights, written by Meg Williams. My partner kept running away. They'd thrown him a party at the local banquet hall, invite only. They loaded it up with black cocktail dresses and sparkling champagne and toasted themselves on the success that their friend had become. He was going to be the best of us, they boasted. A prodigy, a legend, a name they could see in future newspapers and claim kinship with. They swirled the dance floor like film noir gods and I'd slipped out the side door early on chewing on clouds of cigarette smoke and willing myself to sink into the pavement. I didn't expect Kit to come bursting out my same emergency exit door. I definitely didn't expect him to look at me like that, eyes blazing. He looked like he was finally seeing me, and like he wasn't seeing me at all. Get me out of here. Kit? Get me out of here. Um, it didn't occur to me to hesitate. I just snubbed out my cigarette on the icy pavement and tossed in the keys to my car. We drove in silence that first night. Kit rolled all the windows down and gulped icy lungfuls of air like he was drowning. Pressing down hard on the accelerator, I huddled small and dark in my threadbare sweatshirt in the passenger seat, willing us not to crash when I felt the snow slide recklessly under the tyres. He kept us at breakneck speed past the outskirts of the city, leaving neon and concrete behind before he finally slammed us to a stop without warning. I looked up to see an empty cornfield trodden and broken in the winter winds, lit silver by the light of a thousand distant stars. A sudden silence felt... infinite. I don't want to talk about it. I, I didn't ask. Good. We switched seats, and he curled up in the passenger seat while I drove, fitting into his tailored overcoat far better than I'd done in the same position. His phone fit poorly into the cup holder in the darkness between us, frantically lighting up fluorescent with names and phone numbers. Kit's gaze remained fixed firmly out the window until the phone buzzed itself into silence. Eventually, the sun broke icy bright over the bonnet of the car. I rolled up the windows and blasted the heat. Hours started to slip into days, 
We'd sleep in the car, grab ready meals from service stations and just drive. Without discussing it, we kept to country roads, skirting around the edges of cities and avoiding busy motorways. The tidy rows of hedges and neat squares of farmland were predictable patchworks across the landscape that wrapped around us, familiar and open. Kit ignored his phone in favour of fiddling restlessly with a radio station, letting his hands linger near the heat blowing from the vents to warm them. I didn't let my knuckles brush against his when I moved to switch gears, and it felt like an achievement. You should call somebody. Ghostbusters? No. Somebody, so they knew where you went. You can answer your phone. Pretty sure they can guess where I went. <laughs> it's that obvious. Uh, I'm that obvious. Um, I mean, <laughs> there's really only so many places I could be, if not my couch or the coffee shop. <laughs> I guess. Italy. Maybe. What? I-, I could escape to Italy. Art, food, wine, vampires probably. It's the perfect place to hide because it's so obvious that I'd go there first. Do you even hear yourself sometimes? What I'm hearing is that we should find somewhere we can get past her. Why do I even bother? Hiding my emotions was... Never my strong suit. I used to be proud of the way I wore my heart on my sleeve, displaying it like a badge of honour. Look at me! I wanted to scream at the world. This is who I really am. Just look. It wasn't until I realised that Kit could see my heart beating in tune to his every breath that I realised that maybe I should have hidden my feelings away. Maybe I should have tucked them somewhere soft and dark where no one could scorch them the way Kit's eyes did. Instead, he saw my traitor heart twitching and twisting every time he laughed. He could see the way it lurched when I baited him, teasing out his temper with sarcastic comments and badly timed jokes that never felt like they were coming from me. It was addictively easy to draw his eye and therefore his attention. He was a wildfire, a beacon, a blaze of streaked colour across an open sunset sky. I loved the very bones of him. I loved him even when, seeing how my heart ached for him, he looked the other way. There was nothing else to see. You're going to have to answer them eventually. I know. Doesn't have to be right now. I know. Without noticing, we'd wound our way further and further south. Our winter jacket stayed bundled into insulated balls in the back seat, and I started to allow the windows to be rolled down again. The air smelled like apple blossoms, and Kit would lean against the window, soaking in the sunlight like a flower. He'd watch the clouds, and I'd watch the reflections of them as they danced soft across his face. I wondered if his hands were still cold. I can't remember the last time I took a trip anywhere. Really? Nope. Don't you go places for work? (laughs) Seeing the inside of hotel rooms doesn't count. Do you think we could make it to the sea? I mean, probably. (laughs) Road has to end eventually. I've never been to the sea. Immediately. His posture shifted. 
He straightened a little more in his seat, lifted his head from where it leaned against the window, and even from the driver's seat I could see the bright glints of excitement coming back into his eyes. I suddenly remembered a time when we'd had a movie night at a mutual friend's flat. Kit had a rare night off and we'd piled under the floor like puppies, arguing over which streaming network was better, getting popcorn and takeaway crumbs everywhere. Kit had thrown his head back with easy laughter all night. I turned starry-eyed and childlike what a favourite movie of his had played. It reminded me of how he looked now, how relaxed his shoulders could get when he wasn't carrying the weight of the world on them. Blinking furiously, I stared in fixed determination at the road ahead. Yeah, yeah, we can go to the sea. One afternoon we found a spot near the water where Kit could perch on top of a picnic table like a sentinel and toss the crust from his sandwiches into the water for the ducks to fight over. Long after we'd finished eating, he seemed to hesitate heading back to the car. With one fingernail, he traced over a graffiti-carved letter M that had been etched into the weather-worn wood. I tried not to stare. I think I failed. It was too much. Hmm? When I was little, my mum always told the story about how I could walk before I could crawl. Look out, here comes Kit, leapt out of my arms and took off running. She had it set for me for the word go. Anything I wanted, she opened the doors for me. I liked to run, so she signed me up for football. I watched science shows, so she entered me into the fairs. I won my class speech competition, so she signed me up for debates. And the thing is, it was... (laughs) It was easy. The grades, the trophies, the ribbons, it was all just so easy to do. It was fun and I loved it. Of course I loved it. And I just, I soaked it all up, you know. I bought it, hook, line and sinker. Of course I was special. Of course I was going to do amazing things. How could I not, you know? Everyone said it, so it must be true. I don't know when it all started to fall apart. I... It got hard. It just... It just got hard. I took all the right classes, I took all the right extracurriculars, I joined all the right societies and had all the right internships and everything was right, but I was wrong. I had to stay up later and later just to get everything done and it felt, it it felt like a high. I I was so proud of myself that I could still be the wonder kid even though I was only on three hours of sleep. I loved the grind. I I still love it. I love that feeling of being so productive, so powerful and in control. But, but they just started to all just expect it, you know? I, I wasn't, I'm not allowed to slip. People like me don't slip and I had to be good. I had to be perfect. I have to be the best and if I'm not then everything is going to collapse and everything I've worked for is going to fall apart and everyone's going to know that I'm a phony and that nothing I did was ever anything special about me and they're all going to realise it and leave and I... Hey, hey. 
I'm still here. He didn't answer me. He chose to stare at the lake instead, turning his phone around in his hands like a worry stone. I, meanwhile, was struck by him in that moment. He'd so often stood out to me as someone chiselled out of marble, strong-willed and ready to face anything that was thrown at him. He was right in that way. I always assumed he could do no wrong. Now, blinking furiously at the gently lapping water on the shore, he seemed to be thawing and... My heart ached for him. The desire to reach out and gently lay my hand on top of his was overwhelming. Maybe he thought I would leave. Maybe he hoped I would, so he could cry without anyone seeing, or maybe he let me stay because even if I saw, I didn't count. heard rather than saw his phone hit the water. The tight line of his shoulders made my neck ache and he leapt up from the table with dizzying speed, throwing the earth off its axis. Let's go. It hardened again after we left the lake. The further we went into the darkness, the more he seemed to regret his moment of vulnerability. We bristled all over with thorns, growing snappish and moody with every minor detail. It was like he thought he could make me forget what he'd said and what he'd exposed if he could just drown it out with crueler words. What he forgot is that I could never forget anything he said to me, even if it hurt. Especially if it hurt. Nothing to say. Do you want me to say something? No. Right then, you know me, quiet as the grave. Zip, lip, sink ships and all that. <laughs> Bullshit. You've always got something to say. Sometimes, yeah, maybe you don't say it out loud, but you say it. I can hear you. Sure. Look, I know you're thinking it, so just say it, okay? Say I'm being irrational. I already know I am. <laughs> That's not what I was going to say. I was going to say... Oh, Jesus, just spit uh, it out. I love you. Everyone. You said that they expect too much, but they're proud of you, and they love you. They love a poster oh, That's not fair, and you know it. They're your friends. They're not friends with your accomplishments. They're friends with you. They love you. Like you do. That's not fair. No, it isn't. We started to pass wilder landscapes with tangled knots of forest pressed in against the road from all sides, making it harder for the sun to reach us. We hadn't seen another vehicle in hours, and even the radio had lost signal, cocooning us in a layer of silence. It felt like we were at the end of the world when we pulled onto the hard shoulder so I could have a cigarette. We were, by far, the loudest noise for miles. Just because I came with you doesn't mean I have to sit there while you keep using me like a punching bag. 
Well, I'm not going to sit in this car anymore and let you judge me like that. But have I ever judged you? <laughs> you pick my shit apart constantly. I can see you, Dev, and I'm not blind. <sighs> Stop putting words on my mouth. You have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> you know what? I should have just left by myself. I don't know why I let you come in the first place. I let d- me? <sighs> This was a stupid idea to begin with, and now look at you. You're just the same as everybody else, realising what a goddamn joke I am. Just shut up! Don't you dare start blaming me. Yeah, I've teased you before, but I didn't force you to talk about it. You think you're the only person in the world who's ever felt pressure? Just because you're some hotshot big name now, it means that you're all alone up there on some pedestal. Like no one has ever known what it feels like to fail expectations. I fucking flunked out, Kit. Did it ever occur to you that maybe hearing how hard it is at the top means it's all the more impossible for those of us with no talent to even get close? That some people have different problems than just being too good at something. Some of us would kill to have a problem like that. Look, I I, I know you're hurting, but you, you don't get to take it out on me. You don't get to act like you're the only person who ever known what it's like to mess up. Listen. It's fine. Devon. Let's just go. Okay. My anger was gone as soon as it had flared. The way Kit kept looking at me across the gear shift, however, lingered. His expression burned with something more he wanted to say, but that he kept reasoning himself out of. Instead, he found reasons to mess with the radio some more, to readjust his balled-up jacket against the window as a pillow staring at something that I couldn't see. I thought it'd be a blaze under the glow of his gaze once he finally figured out how to see me. Instead, I was just... tired. The next day I found us a spot to eat, a hollow in the grass under trees bursting white and green with fragrant blossoms. I parked the car a short distance away to stop anyone from realising that we were, technically, trespassing, and spread our fast food containers out on the grass like we were having an actual picnic. Kit unfolded on the soft ground like he never wanted to be sitting upright again. He'd been quiet since the night before. I didn't know how to make that strange expression leave his eyes, but couldn't take back what I'd said either. Hey, I... I wanted to ask you something. 42. What? The answer to everything. 42. You're welcome. Can you be serious for two seconds? Mm, Yeah, one and a half, maybe? Devon, seriously, I need to ask you something. Okay. I... So, I... No, it's a lot to ask. And you can say no, and I don't want you to think that I'm trying to... Kit, oh my God, just spit it out. Will you help me cut my hair? I... You love your hair. Yeah, I I, I do. I just... I don't know, it's always been so long, and now it just feels heavy. I think I need it to be gone. That's a big decision to make on, I think... Look, if this is about last night, no, I mean... No, 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 just... it's, it's not. I'm... Look, will you help me? Yeah. Yeah, I'll help you. 
It took forever. I'd never known Kit to wear his hair short, and I was terrified of destroying his head entirely, but... He was calm and trusting under my hand, sitting cross-legged in the grass in front of me with his eyes closed, while I rang his long hair reverently through my fingers. The scissors we had were too small to make the process go quickly yet, and I kept prolonging it further by trying to avoid touching him. Every snip of the blades exposed more of his bare neck. I had to steady my traitorous breathing when he reached back and brushed away tickling loose hair that fell down the back of his shirt. Mere inches of soft spring air were all that kept his hand from touching mine when he rubbed at his newly cropped head. That's perfect. Um, thanks. No, no problem. Kit? Yeah? Why did you ask me to come? I don't know. I guess because I knew you'd say yes. We reached the shore at dawn. Kit was silent and wide-eyed when he got out of the car, staring at the slowly brightening horizon with an expression I imagined some people held when they stepped into grand cathedrals. He seemed to have forgotten I was there, moving with determination towards the water, something wild in his barefoot stride. I followed him, hugging my arms to myself, feeling like I was going to trip on the same uneven ground that Kit strode confidently over, never tearing his gaze from the ocean ahead of him. It wasn't until he was submerged to his ankles that he finally stopped. Look at it. How are you not freezing right now? Listen, I don't want to hear you complaining later. Shut when up. Just... Come here. Are you kidding? Come here, Devon. You're on your own catching your death. I intend to be alive for breakfast later. Devon, I want to show you something. If you push me, I can and will kill you. You feel it. Standing there, water lapping at my ankles, I felt... I felt suddenly washed clean. I was more exposed than I'd felt in my entire life, a speck on the shoreline. The hems of my trousers soaking through, the endless expanse of the ocean ahead of me, around me, stretching for so many miles that I couldn't comprehend. I was small in ways I'd never been able to grasp until that moment. Kit's smallness matched my own, but we weren't made lesser by it. If anything, we got to be part of more. My throat felt thick with a sudden and infinite possibility of it all. See? Yeah. I'm sorry. Me too. Thank you for coming with me. Anytime. It occurred to me then that the sand touching my bare feet, touching Kit's, would be pulled back into the ocean. It would touch coastlines we'd never see, maybe brush up against other people. People that we'd never meet. Stories and hopes and failures we'd never know about. It had been going on long before us and it would continue on long after us. 
People like us had always been and always would be, and the tide would remain as it was, unchanged. But in this moment, this moment was all new. Kit had never seen the sea. I, I realised then, had never seen Kit. I hear. Not like this, with the sun breaking petal pink over the blue, blue sea, washing us both golden. And there, standing in the surf, I felt Kit's knuckles brush feather light against mine. Ready? Today's episode was written by Meg Williams, and it featured Faye Roberts as Devon and David Alt as Kit. It was directed, scored, and edited by Nico Vitesi of We Talk Dreams. Soundscaping by Melissa Pons of Hemlock Creek Productions, and produced by Meg Williams. To learn more, buy merch, or to join our Patreon, visit us at wetalkadreams.com, on Twitter at wetalkadreams, or join us on our Discord. This podcast is dedicated to our community of creatives. Without you, this podcast would not exist. <laughs>